Wonderful. So good just to be in the presence of God, isn't it? A lot of what God's been saying during the worship, uh, I believe God's wanting to continue to challenge and inspire us. Just that call to come awake again, just ringing in my ears. Uh, I just pray right now in Jesus' name, the Holy Spirit, you will awaken us to what your Spirit is doing in these days. Awaken us to what you are doing in our lives. Awaken us to what you're wanting to do in us and through us as a church, your bride, your body in this place. Help us to be attentive. Help us to not be drowsy. I pray, Holy Spirit, keep us alert to what you're doing. For your glory we ask. Amen. Amen. Great. Well, as Rob said, we are continuing our series looking at our three new values. Can anyone remember what those values are? They're the three E's. Empowered. Engaged. An extravagant, fantastic, very good. We're only a few weeks in and people have got them. Great, and we've been taking our time. We're still looking at the first value of being empowered. We're running it across our up-in-out vision. So previously we looked at how we are empowered by the source of life itself. We are empowered by God. In him and through him are all things. In him we live and move and have our being. And we looked at how we need to be completely and totally dependent on him. Dependent on his Holy Spirit at work in us. To acknowledge that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And that we can be confident In the promise that he will always be with us, enabling us, strengthening us, because his empowering is rooted in his love for us. Last week, Rob spoke on being empowered in the context of one anothering, the church, our community here. It's our inwards focus, that as a church, we seek to see others built up. In their identity, we've been speaking a bit about identity in the worship this morning, in our authority in Christ to be equipped for works of service. We're called to empower each other through spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are given for the building up of the church to equip us for works of service. We're called to empower one another in the way we encourage and speak to one another, the way we bear with one another. In the way we are quick to forgive. You know, those people who rejoice in their own forgiveness are much, find it much easier to forgive others. We can forgive far more quickly if we ourselves are rejoicing in our own forgiveness that God has lavished on us. We give grace to one another because we have received grace upon grace by God. Again, it's all rooted in God's love. And it's this demonstration of love for one another that actually will impact the world around us. And that's what we're looking at this morning, the outward focus of being an empowered people, that ultimately we are empowered for mission. I've mentioned before that's the whole theme of Ashburnham this year. We are empowered for mission, to be witnesses, 
got a little statement here. Empowered for mission to see God's transforming presence impacting our communities. To be naturally supernatural in our everyday lives. I love that. That's what I want us as a church to be. Naturally supernatural in our everyday lives. It's often said that the Holy Spirit has been given to the church en route to the world. En route to the world. God equips us to reach out and make disciples of all, all nations. Given to the church en route to the world. Jesus himself said in Acts 1.8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why? To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we're going to be looking at this call to be empowered witnesses, empowered by the Holy Spirit to reach the ends of the earth. It's quite a, an amazing mission we have been given. And perhaps this area more than most is one where we can feel the most overwhelmed. We look around and the need is massive. And we can feel very, very small and very insignificant. How on earth can we, how can me, little old me, can make any difference? The simple answer is because we carry the Holy Spirit in us. Jars of clay that have such treasure within. God has called us. And when God calls people, he also equips people. Because that's the sort of God he is. He doesn't dump us in it. He equips those he's called. And if he's called us by name and equipped us specifically for the task he set before us, what's holding us back? What's holding us back? I really feel Michaela's word this morning. Just, I just want to keep referencing that. Because I believe God, this is a moment in time where God wants to wake us up as a church to see who we are in him and to see him for who he is. That we, you know, ties him with this whole thing this year of being light to the world around us. To shine like light, like Heather's trumpet sound. You've been given a trumpet call. Use it. But I think there's many reasons that come into play that hold us back. And for me, being very honest, I think more often than I would care to admit, what holds me back from reaching out, from talking about my faith, from, you know, suddenly getting a prompt to pray for someone and then, oh, it's a bit awkward, really. What holds me back is, thank you, is simply a lack of courage, a lack of boldness, fear, in other words. I don't think I'm alone in that. I doubt I'm alone in that. But if we get to the root of that fear, if we dig down and say, what, what's really at the root of this? I know I'm called. I know I'm equipped. What's, holding, what's getting to the root of it? I think it can be one of two things. Sometimes it can be both of these things. The root of that fear quite often is based in an unbelief, a lack of faith in God's goodness. Or his faithfulness. Actually, can I truly trust that God is who he says he is? We'll be looking at that in a moment. The other potential root 
of this fear of not stepping out in our calling is actually, again, it's, it's unbelief, but in our own identity. Do I really believe that I am who God says I am? Do I really believe that I am his ambassador? That I am empowered by the Holy Spirit to do good works that he's prepared in advance for me to do? That I am actually Jesus' hands and feet? That greater works will we do? Do I actually believe that? That actually, I'm called to be a witness to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel. It's rooted in unbelief, isn't it? Somebody who was totally confident, though, in who God is, the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God, and in who he was called to be, was the Apostle Paul. And I think, you know, so often when you read the Apostle Paul, you think it's so, you know, he's so otherly, he's so out there. He's so... Actually, this is who we're all called to be in our own way. But there's lots of things we can learn from Paul. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Romans chapter 15. I'm just going to spend some time just in these three verses from 17 till 19. This is Paul stating his mission to reach the Gentiles. If you know your sort of New Testament history, the up until that point, it was felt that actually, no, no, Jesus died for the Jews. They were God's holy chosen nation. And the revelation came, no, 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 the gospel is good news for everyone, Jew and Gentile alike, slave and free. And Paul's mandate, Paul knew his mission was to reach those outside of Israel, the, the Gentiles, the non-Jews. So this is him stating his, his mission, really. <clears throat> Halfway through verse 17, he says, I glory in Christ Jesus, in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God. By what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Lyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Father, we just ask, speak to us through this passage. Open our eyes. Help us to have a fresh revelation of your power and your goodness and your faithfulness but also a fresh revelation of who we are in you, called to transform this world. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. You know, this is quite a statement, isn't it? It's a bold statement Paul is making here. Firstly, we see, though, how Paul's whole life is built around Jesus being glorified. Right here is his whole motivation. Right here is his whole joy. Jesus, you be glorified. Again, so much of what we've been singing about this morning, it's all about that. Jesus, you get the glory. You be glorified. You know, when we step out in boldness and pray for someone, you get the glory. When I just talk about what I've been doing on Sunday or talking about how God's helped me in a particular situation, Jesus, you get the glory. It's all the motivation. Jesus, be glorified. It's never about Paul. 
You know, Paul knew full well about this whole thing of dying to self. The whole Christian faith is the, the walking, following Jesus. It's all about denying yourself, taking up your cross. It's dying to self and living for Jesus. That's what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Front and center of all that Paul did was this gratitude of God's gift of grace for him. Front and center was this understanding of God's love for him. And that outworked itself in a life of service to others. If we want to be awakened and shine like lights ever more brightly, we need to keep God's glory front and center, top of our priority list. This is what we live for. Jesus, you get the glory. It resulted in a life of service for others with Paul. As Jesus said himself, whoever wants to become great must become the servant of all. The servant of all. That's, that's really uncomfortable instruction, isn't it? In our individualistic, it's all about me culture. No, no, no. You must become the servant of all. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus modeled to us. He became, the King of kings, Lord of lords, became servant of all, laying his life down for all. And Paul totally got that. His whole aim, his whole focus of his life was to bring Jesus glory by bringing the Gentiles to faith. I think when we do that, when that is our goal, when that is our aim, witnessing, reaching others for Jesus will jump right up our priority list because it brings glory to him. How we live, holy lives, Behind closed doors brings glory to Jesus. How we love our families, our children, our wives, our husbands brings glory to Jesus. How we reach out and help the homeless brings glory to Jesus. How we witness and tell others about him brings glory to Jesus. Secondly, Paul's confidence was totally rooted in what Jesus had accomplished and was accomplishing through him. Through him, not because of him. Not because of him. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. That kind of takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Because it's not about my work, my power, you know, struggling and striving to, to work hard. It's actually about God's power, God's grace, God's love flowing through you and me. So how does Jesus work through us? Well, Paul tells us in the next few verses. Verse 18, by what I have said and done. In other words, words and deeds. We've just been singing, let my deeds outweigh my words. Both are vital. Both are vital. But if we're all talk and no deeds, there's no substance, is there? You can read through James about that. And you could kind of call this friendship evangelism. This is just simply building relationship, building trust with people, Making friends, allowing people to see Jesus in the way you do life. Hearing about Jesus in your conversations, allowing them to see how you handle pressures and challenges in your life. 
seeing God's power at work in the everyday. All of us can do this. Allowing them to see how you serve others. It's powerful. You know, we have a wonderful opportunity this February, as you, as you know, about serving those who are currently homeless at the moment. What an amazing opportunity. My prayer is that as we welcome these men and women as our guests, as we love and serve them as our friends, they will see something of God's love for them by words and deeds, in our conversations as we chat to them and in the way we love and serve them. Hopefully, I really believe that many will see God's love for them and come to faith in Jesus by words and deeds. Verse 19 goes on to say, also by signs and wonders. By signs and wonders, supernatural things point to a supernatural God. And we know a supernatural God. And we're called to be naturally supernatural. We use that phrase in our little value statement. But you know what? Miracles have a way of bypassing people's prejudices and hard hearts. Bypasses all their clever arguments. It's like, whoa. Okay, I don't really have an answer for that. What just happened? God turned up in power. <laughs> That's what happens. I love that. I mean, you could probably say this is, this is power evangelism, if you like. But the danger of that is you can think, well, that's just for a certain few. That's just for those who are seriously anointed in that area. It's not really for me. I'm maybe okay with friendship evangelism, power evangelism. Uh, not sure. And while it's true, God has specifically anointed people in powerful ways with healing and deliverance and whatnot, the Bible says, I believe, time and time again, that this isn't for a select few. This is for every follower of Jesus Christ. Think about it. When Jesus commissioned, sent out his disciples, sent out his followers, the Great Commission, what did he say? Lay hands on the sick, cast out demons. Did he say that just to a select few? You guys just talk about me. You guys do the business. No, it was to all of them. Every follower of Jesus, lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, set the oppressed free, make disciples. And I think maybe we need to demystify signs and wonders. And that word came through the worship, this whole thing of we need to be more expectant. That God will turn up in power and actually use us. Actually take God at his word. He can use you, and he can use me. And many of you know this. Many of you experience this. God using me to heal somebody. It's such a joy. Naturally supernatural, because that's what it's all about, just going about our day-to-day -day business. Nothing super spiritual, but simply with this supernatural mandate and empowering from God. Claire and I have been building some really good friendships with um, some of the mums and dads from Ben's school. And I'm going to embarrass Michaela a little bit now, but Ben had a party in the coffee shop. Did, you shared this, didn't you, I think? You didn't share this testimony, okay. Ben had a, a, a party in the coffee shop, and some of the mums kind of um, tagged on and just sort of sat, because it's a lovely place to sit and enjoy a coffee. Anyway, the mums got talking, and one of the mums just opened up at how she was suffering from anxiety, and had been for a long time. And very, very naturally, Michaela just offered to pray for this mum. 
Can I pray for you? Nothing weird. Nothing, whoa, super spiritual. So they went upstairs to the office. Michaela prayed. And they came down again. This mum contacted us the next day. Firstly, to thank Michaela. But also to say, I feel completely different. She was shocked at the power of prayer. I felt completely different. I've slept really well. She was bowled over. Something changed. I had an encounter. But also, she was just full of gratitude that somebody would care enough to actually pray for her. Would you really do that? You care enough just to to offer to pray for her? She was really bowled over by the love and care that was shown. Signs and wonders. Simply offering to pray for someone breaks down barriers. And I really believe we need to be praying for more opportunities individually and as a church, to see signs and wonders happen. Signs and wonders are called signs and wonders because they point to the miracle-working God. They point to Jesus. That's what they're for. They're an incredibly powerful tool. Time and time again, we see in the New Testament that the preaching of the gospel preceded or followed by signs and wonders, backing up the truth in our powerful, almighty God. Can I encourage us to be more expectant as a church? When you go to work, God, pray, just pray. God, give me more opportunities to reach out to my colleagues at the school gate, wherever it is, to be naturally supernatural. Through words and actions, through signs and wonders, verse 19 finishes by the power of the Spirit of God. Again, just Paul underlining, this is all from God. It's Jesus working through me by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is so encouraging. That gives us so much confidence. It's his power. It's his enabling. It's less about my gifting. It's more about my obedience and my trust. And you know, Paul knew his weaknesses. Paul's not going, look at me. He's going, look at Jesus. He, he, he describes himself as the chief of sinners. I'm the worst of sinners. And yet he knew the grace and power of God at work in his life. And he expected God to use him. You know, how many of us, I wonder, how many times have I missed opportunities to demonstrate God's power to be his hands and feet simply because I wasn't expecting to be used by him in that moment or that day. Or maybe I disqualified myself because I shouted at the kids, oh, well, God can't use me today. You know, maybe, maybe so-and-so, God will use them because they really know their Bible. And anyway, they are real extroverts. They just get on really well with people. They find it so much easier to talk to people. That's just them. That's not me. Do those sort of conversations go on in your head? You start comparing yourself. It's really dangerous to compare yourself. God doesn't want you to compare yourself. As a church, we believe God has uniquely called every single believer to be a witness. Not by becoming someone they aren't. Please hear me. We're not saying we've all got to fit this sort of evangelist mold. God's called you to be you. He's uniquely gifted you to reach people that no one else can reach in your own experiences, your own backgrounds, your own character. But actually, we find out more about who we are by by this, by getting into the Word of God and trusting who God says we are. 
discovering who God says we are, discovering our authority, discovering that actually we are significant in Christ. I'm naturally quite a shy person, and I've mentioned this before to a few people. Public speaking absolutely terrified me. It was number one on my fear. Swimming in open water with sharks was just under there. Public speaking, right at the top. Couldn't do it. It's not me. I know who I am. I'm behind the scenes sort of person. I'm support. I'm, I'm, you know, in the background. I'll support people. Brilliant. That's me sorted. I know who I am. At least I thought I did. Aren't you glad that God knows you better than you know yourself? And it's as I've had to trust <laughs> in his grace and continue to trust in his enabling, because that never stops. I've been able to see God use me in ways I didn't think he would. And I know many of you have felt the same. As you've trusted, not who you think you are, but who God says you are. It's so key when we're talking about reaching the world for Jesus in the power of his Holy Spirit. You know, Paul is not being proud here. Where he's saying, look at my mandate. I've got no more work for me to do in these regions, he goes on to say in verse 23. He's not boasting in himself. You know, we talk a lot about being humble. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. I think we need to be careful to understand what true humility is. Humility is not putting yourself down. It is not coming to the conclusion that you're an insignificant worm and worthless. That is not humility. That's not agreeing with God for a start. True humility is, yes, understanding that we are totally dependent on God. That's what we were talking about in week one. That without God, we can do nothing. But it's also stepping into all that Jesus has won for us on the cross. And that means stepping into our new identity. We are saints, not sinners. Stepping into our new identity. We are children of God. We are loved. We are secure. In Christ, I have significance. In Christ, I am empowered. In Christ, I am secure. That's true humility. True humility is agreeing with God about who he says you are. It's understanding, yes, I am totally dependent on him. But with Christ, what a difference. What a difference. You know, and the truth is the more we come to understand and trust who God is, the more we discover and believe who we are in him. And the more we believe who we are in him, the more impact we will have on the world around us. It's so important we get this. And the thing is, we have an enemy who also knows this full well. And so there's, you know, the, the two ways he, he, he attacks us. He, he gets us to doubt our identity and he gets us to doubt God's faithfulness. It's the same story right from the beginning in Genesis. Get to doubt God's goodness. Did God really say? You know, we, we need to push past this. Push past these, these thoughts that come through. Well, you know, if I pray for that person, if I put my neck on the line, I'm just going to look foolish. God's not going to come through. It's just going to be awkward. 
As I said, anyway, I'm a, it's just going to be hypocritical. I know what my life's like. How can I talk about Jesus? You know, all these things bombard us. It comes in many, many different forms. It, it always amazes me how quickly we can talk ourselves out of an opportunity for God to show his power, to demonstrate his truth, his life, his love. It's all about him anyway. It's not about us. That's why Paul's whole emphasis, and it's so important we get this, is on what Christ has accomplished through him, not what he has accomplished for Christ. So often when we think about witnessing and evangelism, it's all about what can I accomplish for Christ? It's more about what can he accomplish through me? It's so important we get that distinctive because you know what? That distinctive will give us confidence to push past these lies and doubts of the enemy. We can say to that fear of looking foolish or, or ruining a friendship, actually, it's not about me anyway. I've died to myself. Hello. I'm living for Jesus. I don't have to worry about looking foolish. Hey, if I look foolish for Jesus, Paul says, I count that gain. <laughs> Secondly, as I said, even if there's no outward direct, instant demonstration of God's power at that time. You know, the person you prayed for or been praying for and you've had that conversation, you feel, this is the moment they're going to give their lives to God and it doesn't happen then. Or you reach out and pray for someone's migraine and it doesn't go then. You know, so often God works in, not in the instant, but in, in gradually as well. But you know what? Even if there is no instant evidence just simply the fact of stepping out and praying for someone is a huge demonstration of love. Huge demonstration. It leaves people feeling valued. It leaves people feeling somebody cares. Somebody cares. We've got to step out of disappointment. Disappointment is a huge one when it comes to us believing God's faithfulness. He didn't come through in the past. He won't come through again. It's a biggie. It's a real biggie. We need to push past unbelief. We need to push past disappointment. It's all entwined, really, in the same thing. And, and disappointment, really, has been quite a big one for me. Some of you know I grew up with a dad who, who experienced miraculous healing from epilepsy, from polio, transforming, miraculous, doctor-stunning healing. They're just like, whoa, we have no explanation for that. And yet, he finally died from a terminal illness. God didn't heal him then. And I was like scratching my head thinking, is this just like a lottery? Is this just, you know, however God feels? I had to push past my disappointment. I had, to, I had to choose, because it is a choice, to trust again in God's goodness, to trust again in his faithfulness, to trust again in his sovereignty. And turn that trust into action and continue to lay hands on the sick and continue to pray in faith that God will heal and God will save. Disappointment sucks us dry of life, doesn't it? God's word for us is to come awake. Come awake. We need to push past disappointment. Wendy Mann, who's written a brilliant book called Naturally Supernatural, it's definitely the word, uh, the phrase of the moment, she says this, she believes the biggest 
barrier to spiritual breakthrough in the UK is disappointment in the heart of believers that has never been dealt with. Disappointment. And that disappointment needs to be worked through, not pushed down. It needs to be worked through. Many of you will be familiar with the five R's if you've done Living Free course. What's the first R? It's recognize. We need to call out disappointment for what it is. Some of you might not even notice you've been carrying disappointment. You've just been feeling distant and dry and just lacking in zeal and faith. And God wants you to actually pinpoint, is it disappointment? Call it out. Call it out for what it is. Take it to God. Recognize it. Work through it with God. Don't bury it. You know, God will often lead you to the other R, repent. Repent from believing the lie that God won't come through because he didn't operate or act as we wanted him to. You know, sometimes we need to lay down the right to know why. We need to lay down those questions and just say, God, you're sovereign, you're Lord, but I'm really disappointed. I repent from not believing in your faithfulness. I repent from believing the lie that actually you're not good, you're not for me. And once you've repented from it, rebuke it. Get rid of it. Disappointment, you're not, I'm not holding on to you. You get out of my life because you know what? Otherwise, we will always be expecting to be disappointed when we step out in faith. When we invite our neighbor to Alpha, of course, he's not going to come, but I've been told to do it. You know, let's have some faith here. If I pray for that person to be saved, I've done it before. What difference will today make? We need to get shot of disappointment. Wendy goes on in her book to say, faith can be described as belief plus expectation. I like that. Because it's one thing to believe in God's goodness. It's another thing to expect God's goodness for you and for the person you're praying for. It's one thing to believe that God can heal. It's quite another thing to expect him to heal. Let's move up a gear. Let's be a people who expect God to heal. Why? Because he's here by his spirit. Expect him to heal in the worship. We've seen some incredible healings breaking in with no one praying for anyone. Just in the time of worship, God's presence brings healing. There is healing and wholeness in the presence of God. There is peace. There is joy. Let's come expectant. God is here. He's our healer. He's our savior. You know, the final R is to replace. Replace the lies with truth. If you know you've been carrying disappointment, take it to God. Call it for what it is. Bring it. Process it through with him. But then fill yourself with truth. God is our healer. He loves to save the lost. He loves to set the oppressed free. He delights in it. And do you know what? He delights in doing it through you. He delights in it. Absolutely loves it. This is the truth. Paul's confidence, both in his identity as a minister to the Gentiles and his confidence in the goodness and empowering of God caused so much fruit. As I said, he was able to say, from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, it's a huge distance, right through Asia Minor. Massive. He goes, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. And as I said, verse 23 goes on to say that there is no more place for me to work 
in these regions. Such fruit. He had planted churches, planted leaders, and was moving on. Incredible. What a testimony of the empowerment of God. What a testimony. I just want to invite the band to come back up, but while they're doing that, I'm just going to read, actually, from Wendy's book here, a little quote. Just sums this up very well. All of us have a unique role to play. Do you believe that? All of us have a unique role to play in seeing God's rule and reign established wherever we have influence. Think about where you currently have influence. You have a unique role to play. Seeing the sick healed, the dead raised. Do you believe that? The spiritually oppressed set free and the lost saved is meant to be normal Christian life for every believer. Every believer. It is part of our spiritual DNA that came alive, awakened awakened in us when we said yes to Jesus. Maybe some of us need to awaken that again. Stir us up, Holy Spirit. Stir us up. Awaken us again to see who you have called us to be in this generation. Whether we're called to impact the homeless man on the streets, a group of mums at the school gate, or an entire nation, knowing who God says we are is crucial. Receiving revelation of our identity in Christ and living in the good of it will mobilize us as we seek to make Jesus known wherever we go. Can I invite you, if, you, if you're able to stand, I'm just going to pray for us as a church. Then we're going to worship him. Then we're going to expect him to move. We're going to expect, I believe, maybe even in the worship, as, as Rob encouraged us to place hands on parts of our body that need healing. Maybe God's already begun and even done a healing in your life. Let's come expectant. Holy Spirit, we just say, thank you for presencing yourself amongst us. Thank you that as your church, we are the dwelling place of God. And thank you that in your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your presence, there is freedom. And I pray, Holy Spirit, for those carrying disappointment, I pray, help us to call it out for what it is. Repent and get rid of it and move on. For those who are carrying unbelief about their identity, that God can use you, I pray, Bring fresh revelation. Bring fresh revelation of who they are in you. And for those, Lord, who have doubted your goodness, again, fresh revelation for who you are. Come, Holy Spirit, set our hearts on fire for your glory. For your glory, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.